Hello and welcome to Baseball Bite, for people who'd rather be listening to the game than to a podcast about it. As always, it's your quick bite of some of the news from around baseball. So no time to lose, that pitch clock is running. Let's play ball. Ah, the baseball bite resident organist Mabel getting us into a New York state of mind there. Uh, thank you, my dear, thank you. Although, to be honest, I don't know about New York. She's more Newport Pagnell, bless her, but on this budget, what can we do? But indeed, much of baseball's attention is on New York, New York, as in both of Gotham's finest, which are currently dominating their respective divisions. No doubt the Mets were happy to come home from a gruelling ten-game tour of Southern California, from which they returned with a 5-5 record and a divisional lead that, when they set off on June 2nd, was a hefty ten-and-a-half games in front, but is now a tad tighter four-and-a-half games ahead. Either way, this is needless to say no time for relaxing, particularly with Atlanta snapping at their heels. Indeed, the Braves have continued to ride the wave of a scorch of a 14-game winning stretch that is not only the longest streak in baseball this season, but puts them one win away from tying the franchise all-time record of 15 straight wins back in 2000. All eyes end on tonight, Friday's game at Wrigley Field, to see whether that streak continues. And so with Atlanta rolling along with that sort of momentum behind, all the more reason why then the Mets were very pleased to see the first game of their series hosting the Brewers get off to an excellent start on Tuesday with its 4-0 blanking of Milwaukee in which Chris Bassett pitched eight sharp innings of three-hit ball. This was a particularly welcome result for Mr. Bassett following his previous start against the Padres, which was one of the worst of his career, and a continuation of a very worrying downward spiral of his season's numbers as he went into Tuesday's game with an excruciating 7.62 ERA in his last five starts, in four of which he had coughed up four or more runs. That's in spite of him working well in his first five starts with currently injured catcher James McCann, but he acknowledged that he had not done the necessary work to transition properly to working with backup catcher Thomas Nido, and he admitted he had failed to be on the same page, hence the dramatic slump. But judging by what ended up being one of the best starts of his career on Tuesday, the Mets will surely hope that this is a page that is now well and truly bookmarked. Not so much luck for New York on Wednesday, though, when Milwaukee's Corbin Burns, himself coming off a couple of dreadful outings against San Diego and Philadelphia, pitched a stellar return to form, which, coupled with an absolute explosion of the previously sleepy Brewers' offense, meant a crushing 10-2 loss and the end of New York's nine-game home winning streak. Happy times, though, for Milwaukee, as it meant the historic 564th win for manager Craig Council, which finally pushed him past Phil Garner as the winningest manager in franchise history. The final game of that series yesterday did not seem much better at first for New York, with the troubling sight of starting pitcher Tyler McGill pulled in the fourth due to shoulder discomfort, in spite of it only being his second start on coming back from rehab, followed by a subsequent Brewers 4-1 lead. But the Mets showed the sort of resilience that they are going to need a lot of to hold on to that first-place spot and fought back for the 5-4 win. But as we await the results of Mr. McGill's MRI, it is a reminder of why there was much joy earlier this week amongst fans at the news that both Max Scherzer and Jacob deGrom were spotted back in Queens and reports that their respective rehabbing is progressing well. So the mounting hope is that the two Mets aces will be back in the rotation by the All-Star break. Combine that with the anticipated return of the much-missed catch-up James McCann, and the assumption is that, in spite of any current wobbles, an already formidable lineup will be strengthened even further. Forget about it. Oh dear, 
I believe that's what they call in New York a difference of opinion. So before I incur the further wrath of the gentlefolk of the Bronx, let's turn to the Yankees, who began the week coming triumphantly off last weekend's resounding sweep of the Cubs. And rather like Mets' Chris Bassett, Tuesday saw Yankees' Garrett Cole coming off one of his worst ever starts, when he allowed a career-high five homers in his outing against Minnesota the week before. So again, there was much relief to see a mostly stress-free start against the visiting Rays, in which he struck out seven, walked one, and allowed five hits, all singles, for the 2-0 win. And on Wednesday, following yet another stunning start from New York's nastiest Nesta Cortez on the mound, Clay Holmes rode to the rescue in a scoreless ninth to lock down the 4-3 victory. And it was before that game that manager Aaron Boone spoke to reporters about the issue of who will be the closer once Sir Aldis Chapman comes back off the IL, and how he envisages Mr. Holmes returning to more of a setup role in high-leverage situations against the toughest parts of the lineup. But Mr. Boone insisted he will be closing some games too. One thing is sure, wherever Mr. Holmes ends up, it looks set to be impactful, considering that with a minuscule ERA of .29, he has now matched Mariano Rivera's team record of 28 straight appearances without allowing a run. As for yesterday, Thursday's finale, scheduled starting pitcher Luis Severino found himself on the COVID IL, which was disappointing for him as it would have been his 100th start, but more pressingly, something of a shock for Clark Schmidt, who was only told on arrival at Yankee Stadium that it was, with just hours to go, his moment to shine, which he did admirably, striking out five of three scoreless innings, followed by fellow relievers Ryan Weber and Ron Marinaccio for the eventual 2-1 victory crowned by Anthony Rizzo's walk-off homer, making it not only the team's seventh consecutive win, but the 14th win at home, the longest such streak since 1961 in the original Yankee Stadium, and more than 10 years before the team was even a glimmer in the acquisitive eye of paterfamilias George Steinbrenner. This is a team that is leading baseball with its 101 home runs, but is also second for fewest home runs allowed with 48. And dig down further into the bullpen numbers, and in more than 200 innings, it's only 11 home runs allowed, tied with Houston for the best home run rate of any bullpen in the majors. All of this means that having improved to 31 games over 500, it's one of only six teams to ever win at least 47 of its first 63 games, and the first to do so since the Mariners in 2001. And apart from Seattle, oh the pain of that history, each of those teams went on to win the World Series. But again, as with the Mets, this is no time for complacency. What with the division rivals stubbornly holding on, and as we're seeing with Boston, some definite heating up in June, and then also the brutal realities of the schedule ahead. With no days off until July 4th, and for a lot of it until then on the road to Toronto, Tampa Bay, Houston and Cleveland, this is where that Yankee metal will really be tested, both physically and mentally. One of those division rivals looks determined to throw a spanner into the Bronx works is Toronto, who are hosting the Yankees for this weekend's series. The Blue Jays come off a disappointing final game of their series against Baltimore, which saw a, by his own admission, fatigued, Toronto starter Kevin Gaussman confounded, leading to a terrible 10-2 blowout defeat. But the rest of the series did see plenty of Blue Jays action, most encouragingly from Vladimir Guerrero Jr., who, like many batters, got off to a slow start offensively this season, but seems this month to have rediscovered those MVP qualities that manager Charlie Montoyo said he has been waiting to see show up. And those qualities were fully on show in a week in which Mr. Guerrero Jr. had 13 hits and three homers in six games, not to mention his first career walk-off hit in Wednesday's 3-1 win over the Orioles.
The man himself credited much of the turnaround to a pep talk given by that wise old soul, teammate George Springer, who reminded them of the need to rediscover the joy in what he was doing. Advice for life in general that no doubt we could all benefit from sometimes. I said to myself, explained Mr. Guerrero Jr., I've got to stop doing what I'm doing and enjoy this game. And so he has, and so have all the fans who are watching. Someone else who is constant source of joy is one of Toronto's most dynamic pitchers, Alec Manoa. As we saw in Monday night's blowout 11-1 defeat of Baltimore, when he pitched six shutout innings to extend his streak to 12, giving up just one hit on the night. His ERA on the year is down to 167, and it's never gone higher than two since his start this season. In fact, Mr. Manoa is the first pitcher since Vida Blue went 17-3 between 1969 and 71 to win at least 17 of his first 20 career decisions as a starter. But wait, speaking of impressive pitching, what's this I spy on the horizon? It's a Mariner's moment. Ship Ah, yes, indeed, Captain. Although the first and last games of Seattle's series against the visiting Twins this week were miserable losses, at least Tuesday offered a morsel of hope, as yet again we saw right-hander Logan Gilbert smoothly tossing six innings, a four-hit shutout ball in the 5-0 win over Minnesota. As well as being the second shutout in his last four outings, it also marked his 200th strikeout milestone. And as his 37th career start, he thus became the third-fastest Mariners pitcher to do so, behind the not-so-shabby company of Mark Langston and Felix Hernandez, who both reached 200 Ks in 35 starts. So with a sparkling 7-2 record for the season and a 2.22 ERA, he's not only established himself as the best starting pitcher in the rotation, but not surprisingly is increasingly being tipped for an all-star game nod. Ah, it's good to have my little urchin friend back and looking as grubby as ever, I see. And he's reminding me that for further insight into the driving force behind the Mets' fortunes, do check out Tuesday's Starkville interview and podcast that The Athletic's Jason Stark did with manager Buck Showalter, in which he speaks on everything from his appreciation of Francisco Lindor, Edwin Diaz and uh, Shakira. Oh, and the timely reminder that if you ever happen to be walking around a billionaire team owner's home and spot Warhol's Marilyn on the bathroom wall, then no, it is most definitely not a copy. As always, link in the Twitter. Ah, that joyous sound of the Mariners' home run horn can only mean one thing. It's time to trot around the bases and make my way home. But do make sure to subscribe and follow at Baseball Bite. And never forget, my friends, sometimes in life, a quick bite is all that you need. Until next time, happy baseballing. <laughs>